The Bloody Elbow Podcast Network is moving. That's right. We're moving from SoundCloud and YouTube to Substack. It will still be available through your current iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher subscriptions, but the main home of the Bloody Elbow Podcast Network will now be on Substack. While most of our audio content will remain free, we'll be asking listeners to please get a paid subscription to support the shows, which are now ad-free. Please give us your email and we'll send you notices and summaries of every new episode. Become a paid subscriber and get bonus segments only available to those who've pledged their support. Sign up at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com today. Bloody Elbow presents Crooklyn's Corner, a hodgepodge of current event topics from the combat sports and entertainment community. Here is your host, Crooklyn, a.k.a. Steffi Haynes. Hello and welcome to another episode of Crooklyn's Corner. I'm your host, Crooklyn, but most of you know me by my real name these days, Steffi Haynes. And today I'm welcoming Sporting News Senior Writer Andreas Hale, to join me for a crash course in WWE for those of our listeners who are not into pro wrestling. Now, Andreas is also the host of Fighting Words, Clobberin' Time. He co-hosts the Corner Podcast. He is the co-creator of the short film Our Heroes Rock. To say he's talented is um, it's a bit of a gross understatement. Uh, Andreas, it's been a minute since we've had a chance to chat, I mean, I just found out today that you've expanded your family unit with another cherub. And here we are. We worked together pretty closely for a freaking year. So right. how the hell are you? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, it's been a while, Steph. I mean, once upon a time, we worked at that wonderful site called Champions. And uh, that was great. And I, it was great working with you. But yeah, since then... My daughter's six now. My just had a son. He's one. Um, and I'm living the life. I'm happy. Busy, but happy. And the kids keep me more busy than work, which is insane. And you are you are everywhere. Everywhere. So the focus of today's discussion is to guide our listeners that don't watch WWE through the massive merger that just got announced this past week between WWE and the UFC. Now, that merger clocks in at just over $21 billion as far as the joint valuation. Now, Andreas has been deeply rooted in both pro wrestling and MMA for more than a decade. He is also a very, very respected boxing journalist as well. So I'm pretty confident that we can classify this episode as educational, higher learning, if you will. So, Andreas, are you ready? I'm Professor. ready. I'm absolutely ready. Let's do it. All right. The first thing I want you to do is explain some of the history of WWE, specifically Vince's role since taking over from his father. Like, when did that happen? Tell me about basically the McMahon history with wrestling. Wow. All right. So we have to go all the way back um, to 
I'm trying to think when he when did he get it from his father. He picked it up from his father in '82 when Titan Control took uh, when he took control of it from his father who was ailing at the time, um, and he took over the WWF World Wrestling Federation as uh, basically his father's company. But what he wanted to do was expand, and in expanding. There were regional promotions. Uh, once upon a time, for those who aren't aware, it's t- kind of like MMA. There were smaller promotions that were dependent on the region that they were at. A lot of them didn't have TV deals. So what what McMahon did uh, is he leveraged promotions against each other by taking their talent, by using television deals, and he basically ate them like Pac-Man. And he, he just ate them all the regional promotions up to build his. It was kind of like a cardinal sin at the at the time because. Regional promotions basically had handshake deals where they would share talent. You know, somebody like Ric Flair, for instance, would go from one territory to another uh, defending a title and then he would go somewhere else and they would share the talent. Well, what Vince did is he started signing them to exclusive deals with the WWF, which prevented them from working with the regions, which in turn dried up the audience. Once that happened, the smaller regional companies disappeared and McMahon took over. So by around 1982, the company was huge. Uh, WrestleMania one kicked off in 1984, which became this massive, massive event. Huge risk by Vince McMahon put all of his money into one singular event headlined by Mr. T and Hulk Hogan versus Roddy Piper and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Uh, Cindy Lauper was a part of it. Muhammad Ali was a part of it. If it failed, the WWE would not be here today, but it was wildly successful and the rest, without going into too much detail, is is history. But the company has continued to grow over the years. It went public in the early 2000s um, on the stock market. And it makes money hand over fist for Vincent Kennedy McMahon, who is now 77 years old. Now, I know we're going to get into the nitty gritty of what's happened over the past few years. But that's kind of the gist of the WWF. Discuss the familial dynamic roles within the McMahon family, because you've got Vince, you've got Stephanie, you've got Shane, you've got Triple H. I mean, there was a time in the 90s when we actually saw Linda McMahon out there a couple of times. Just give us the rundown of who does what in this family. And after that, I'm going to ask you about extra familial people like Nick Khan and, and others that have been along the way. So everybody's roles have changed over the years. <clears throat> Excuse me. So Stephanie McMahon, who's no longer with the company, uh, she was there from 1998 to 2023. So she just she just left the company. Um, she, she's had various roles. She came on. She was a talent. She was a writer. She was a GM. Uh, and then I believe her last professional position uh, was a chief brand officer. That's what it was. Um, and upon the McMahon scandal, which we'll talk about later, she decided to walk away. Uh, then you had Shane McMahon, who was Vince's son. Uh, he also had an executive role in the company, but he's kind of been in and out. It seems like Shane has kind of come around to do favors for his father, but he's never been intrigued by the business. A lot of reports that people have, may have seen is that he at one time tried to buy the UFC and buy Zufa. He's tried to be, be involved in MMA, but He's still around. He just appeared at WrestleMania this weekend, tore his quad, just like his father did several years ago, trying to, you know, perform a move. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's still around. Linda McMahon was also on the board. Uh, 
obviously, well, for a lot of people who don't know, Vince and Linda were together forever. Linda was part of Trump's cabinet. Linda and Vince have allegedly separated and moved on. Linda's no longer really part of the company either. So right now, the power structure really stands with Vince McMahon, Nick Khan, and Ari Emanuel from Endeavor, again, which will explain how this all broke down later. But the family dynamic, this was a family company. This was something that the family held near and dear to their heart. Triple H, Paul Levesque, was a pro wrestler uh, and married Stephanie. And he's the son-in-law. And now he's the chief of creative with the company, uh, which means he helps create the storylines, drives the TV narratives and things of that nature. And he's been held in very high regard to a lot of people. So he's probably the last family member that's still standing in the company. Tell me the difference in what he does and what Nick Khan does and more so why Nick Khan's bonus from this deal is so much more. It's a few times more than what Paul Levesque Triple H got. So Paul Levesque, what he essentially does is, as I mentioned, he helps create and shape the narratives for television. Mm -hmm. What Nick Khan does is broker the deals. He looks over the books. He makes sure that the money's being spent in the right places. Um, You know, in layman's terms, it's basically having a marriage where one person does the work but one person needs to manage the books and make sure that the bills are getting paid and make sure that the, the monies are being allocated to the right places. When Nick Khan came in, there was basically a, a house cleaning session because a lot of talent was, I guess you could say they were overpaid and they weren't being utilized on television. And Nick Khan helped clean house. Uh, and not necessarily in a bad way. It's just cleaning up the books. You look and you say, OK, this talent's make X talent's making half a million dollars. I haven't seen him on TV in eight weeks. Do we really need this talent? No, let's release him. Or well, let's broker a deal with Snickers to have a sponsorship or Mountain Dew to have a sponsored match. Nick Khan's role is pivotal in the company being able to be exponentially more profitable over the years. The narrative is very important. But without those business deals, without this massive Saudi Arabia deal that they have, the company wouldn't be as big as it is today. And it it wouldn't have, uh, I believe it evaluated at $9.2 billion. A lot of that has to do with Nick Khan cleaning up those books over the past few years. When he came on, the idea, a lot of people thought, this man might be getting ready to sell. He was old, and uh, he's had the company for a long time. But at a certain point, you want to clean up your books, and you want to make sure that your company remains as profitable as it can be. Nick Khan being an agent, coming from where he came from, he understood what needed to happen, hence why his role is more pivotal than Hunter Selmsley's role or Triple H or Paul Levesque, however you want to call him. Because I guess you can find anybody that does creative, but you can't find the, the, the right person to check the books and broker deals. Vince McMahon, what exactly is he doing since Nick Khan is handling the books, Paul Levesque is handling the creative? What is Vince doing? Vince oversees it all. Nothing happens without Vince McMahon's thumbs up. He Right now, he serves as the executive chairman of this newly merged company. Um, and he was the executive chairman before, which for for somebody, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a good comparison here because, because a lot of MMA fans will look at Dana White. But it's it's more hands-on than Dana because nothing happens without Vince's approval. Absolutely nothing. So while Triple H may book a storyline, 
Vince McMahon will sit in what they call the gorilla position, which which used to mean where he's on TV sitting right where the, the wrestlers come in and out and he watches everything. This is the only thing Vince McMahon knows, you know, so in terms of what he does, it's everything. But the 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 role by name is executive chairman, but nothing happens on his watch without his approval. Let's talk about his controversial headlines over the past couple of years, but I would like it if you could go a few years back before that, because there was always lots and lots of chatter about the the decline of the storylines when he was running things. I would say it's been the chatter for, say, the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, t- with... <laughs> Putting it nicely, the storylines have been kind of trash, okay? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's a better way to put it. If you have a – they have some of the best talent in the world, but you have a 70-year-old man making stories uh, from a mentality that still lives in the late 90s when the – you know, when Woodstock 99 happened and Beavis and Butthead and fart jokes and things of that nature – he still lived and thrived off of that and didn't really change with the times. So he's a genius, but geniuses get out of touch. So a lot of his stories were out of touch. And the key thing was people were changing in terms of how they consume pro wrestling. So once upon a time, the WWF was pretty much the only show in town. There was WCW with the Monday Night Wars, which we won't get a whole lot into, but most people have heard of it in the late 90s, WCW and Ted Turner. They staged a big coup to take over the WWF. They had a ratings war. It was when everything was at its absolute height. Creatively, Vince McMahon had to dig deep to beat WCW. But once he got rid of the competition and he was the only show in town, there were no checks and balances. He could kind of do just whatever the hell he wanted to. So storylines wouldn't be great. There was nothing really pushing him. He still had this myopic view of minorities and stereotypes and who could be a champion and who couldn't be a champion and the bodybuilders. And what got lost in all of this was the art of professional wrestling. Now, look, some people may call it fake. It's not fake. It's scripted. Two heavily different things, because the violence that you see, a lot of it is real. The bumps that those wrestlers take, they put their bodies on the line day in and day out. Their injuries are real. Yes, there are things that are scripted, but the acts and it's, it's a violent ballet, for lack of a better term. Vince lost sight of that. It wasn't a lot of wrestling anymore. It was a lot of stories that were ripped straight out of, you know, 80 soap operas. They were cheesy. The dialogue was lame and he was very hands on with talent that was growing. And, and, you know, they were better at cutting their own promos, which means they're talking their own trash and creating their storylines. But Vince had his hands on it and the storylines began to suffer. And viewers started to tune out and look for alternatives. Now, unfortunately, because the WWE was the biggest show in town, it was difficult in the early 2000s to find an alternative. But now with the advent of YouTube and social media and streaming services and Tony Khan's All Elite Wrestling, there are options. There's New Japan. There's Impact Wrestling. People have sought talent elsewhere. So the stories have suffered in WWE. And the grumblings internally have been there. Talent has left because they haven't liked their position within the company or they don't like how Vince handles business or they they aren't sure like one week you may be on TV and the next week you won't. One of the biggest critiques of what Vince McMahon does is he changes scripts the day of filming television. Now imagine you have a live television show that is every Monday and every Friday for the last 30 years 
it's difficult to do. Writing TV is not easy. Live television. F- SNL does it once a week. They do it twice a week. Three hours on Monday, two hours on Friday. Now imagine you have a room full of writers that come up with these stories and Vince McMahon comes in and rips those stories up 30 minutes before you go on air and this comes up with something new. It tends to be frustrating for the talent and it tends to be frustrating for the viewer because things don't make sense. So for the last few years, people have wanted Vince McMahon out of the company because he's just become completely out of touch with what the fans want. This is the fans and the company that are sort of railing against him, correct? Yeah, in a way, because, you know, it's it's similar to the UFC. It's the biggest show in town. So if you're a talent, you want to perform there. But then when you get there, some talent find out it's not all that it's cracked up to be. So they're frustrated. They're upset. The problem is the difference between the UFC and the WWE. Their t- WWE talent is paid very well. So sometimes they'll put aside their frustrations just to collect the paycheck. Meanwhile, others, you know, Steph, if 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 you love the art that you do and you're being paid very handsomely to sit down and do nothing at a certain point, you're going to get frustrated Mm -hmm. because you want to perform what you do. So they'll take lesser money. You know, they'll collect, you know, some talent makes seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. They'll take their seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, be unhappy and go somewhere else where they can enjoy what they do. So yeah, there are a lot of talent that, are un, that have been unhappy in the company. I can't say any names specifically, sure. but I've talked to a lot of sources and a lot of people within the company that have been unhappy. Mm-hmm. And for viewers, it's the same thing. You know, you I grew up watching pro wrestling. I've never stopped watching since I was a small child. I watch it out of habit, and I'm going to continue to watch it because I love it. But I'd be remiss if I wasn't critical of what I was seeing on TV. So you want changes to happen. You hope they happen. You know they have the potential to happen. It's like watching a tremendous – it's like watching a movie with a great cast, but the the directing and the writing sucks. And then you want to see a sequel, and then you hope, please get another director. Because I know if you got Denzel Washington and Leonardo DiCaprio and you got – you know, Michael B. Jordan and Robert De Niro, like you can make the greatest movie ever. They're just not doing it. So that's where the frustration lies. Let's talk about the controversial headlines because they've been going on, I would say, for about three years, two years. They, I mean, listen, the the, the controversy with Vince McMahon has been going on for a couple of decades, in and out. I mean, you've had the steroid scandal in the 80s. Yeah, I do remember you, that. Yeah. yeah, you had the death of Chris Benoit, uh, well, the murder-suicide of Chris Benoit, the death of Owen Hart inside of a wrestling ring in 98. You had Jimmy Su- Superfly Snooker allegedly murdering his fiance, and, and, you know, allegedly Vince found a way to cover this up. The man has skirted danger for years, but it wasn't until the last couple of years that it truly reared its ugly head and everything kind of caught up with him. And boy, did it. I mean, there's allegations of rape and sexual harassment, extramarital affairs, payoffs. He went away for a while. Why did he come back? Because this is the only thing he knows. Um, it, it, It may sound funny, but I think if he ever left this business alone completely, he'd pass away because he has nothing left. This is the only thing he has done pretty much his entire life. He walked away because he... I, I mean, he's got an ego and he didn't want to walk away. But the allegations were mounting up too much. They were going to hurt the company. But uh, Ari Emanuel decided that I can't do this without Vince McMahon. And for whatever reason, he trusts that 
Vince can get out of whatever these situations are. I mean, hell, Dana White got out of slapping his wife on, mm. you know, for everybody to see. And Ari didn't do anything. So he feels like he could defend Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon loves what he does. I don't think the ongoing joke for years is that Vince will die in Gorilla, which means Vince will die in that creative chair. There's nowhere else that he will pass away at. He's going to start there and he's going to end there. He can't leave this business alone. It's the only thing he knows. There have been plenty of jokes that Vince doesn't know the price of milk. Vince doesn't go shopping. Vince does, he thinks sneezing is a sign of weakness. He is a maniac. But the one thing that he knows and the one thing that he holds on to that he's been a genius at for essentially his entire life, at least in his head, is professional wrestling or sports entertainment. So he's not he's never going to leave. So he came back and he's getting paid handsomely to put his hands right back on the company that he walked away from less than a year ago. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. The Bloody Elbow Podcast Network is moving. That's right, we're moving from SoundCloud and YouTube to Substack. It will still be available through your current iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher subscriptions, but the main home of the Bloody Elbow Podcast Network will now be on Substack. While most of our audio content will remain free, we'll be asking listeners to please get a paid subscription to support the shows which are now ad-free. Please give us your email and we'll send you notices and summaries of every new episode. Become a paid subscriber and get bonus segments only available to those who've pledged their support. Sign up at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com today.